Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got the return of one of our favorite repeat guests in conversation with an equally fantastic songwriter making her first TalkHouse Podcast appearance. Now, Sharon Van Etten is a singer and songwriter who's been making records for the past decade plus, growing and changing and taking chances in exactly the way you hope truly talented people will. Her amazing early records were quietly intense, very confessional affairs, but she burst from the seams with subsequent releases. In 2019, she released Remind Me Tomorrow, which brought in bigger sounds and colors and an entirely different kind of confidence to her songwriting and performance. In 2022, Van Etten released another incredible album called We've Been Going About This All Wrong, which puts into intense songs some of the feelings we've all been feeling through the last few years. As you'll hear in this chat, Van Etten has already written a ton of songs for her next album, and now she's trying to figure out how to get there. The other half of today's chat is Canadian singer-songwriter Charlotte Cornfield, Yes, that's her real last name. You can actually read the story on TalkHouse.com from 2021, where she explained its origins to Amy Milan of the band Stars. Cornfield started releasing music back in 2008, and her fifth album, Could Have Done Anything, was released in May of last year. This conversation was originally meant to be recorded back then, but Cornfield had a baby around that time, which, as some of you surely know, changes your schedule pretty intensely. But motherhood is a big part of this conversation. Van Etten has a six-year-old, and the two openly talk about the joys and challenges of raising a child. Check out a little bit of Gentle Like the Drugs from Charlotte Cornfield's Could Have Done Anything. In addition to getting deep about parenting, Van Etten and Cornfield talk about Van Etten's creative in-between space, about the pluses and minuses of New York versus LA versus Toronto, and about how Southerners eat trash, but in a good way. Enjoy. <laughs> um, how are you? Where are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm at home in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. Just put my seven-month-old down for a nap. And ah. my mom is here helping me today. Yeah. Um, how about you? Where are you at? I'm home and just trying to, you know, get in a creative headspace. I'm like in this weird in-between place creatively right now. So I don't, right now I'm more passionate about like home and being present and going to basketball games and, <laughs> you know, just walking the dog and reflecting way more than I got to the past year. <laughs> I'm like applying to school again, but I have a record written in the past year or so. Uh, my band and I wrote together for the first time. I've never really cool. done that. But after after the height of pandemic and learning just how to write long distance with each other and sending them ideas and collaborating in that way. Once we were touring and playing the songs live, we were so much closer as friends and musicians that I wanted to see what it would feel like to finally be in a room writing together. And we ended up 
writing probably two albums worth of material, yeah. but so now I'm I'm figuring out what that means for the actual recording of the album and how when I want to do that and what my narrative is, but but that's not going to happen for a minute. Everyone in my band has other projects and I also just want to take more time to be intentional about what the next thing is and in the meantime try to live and research and reflect and just figure out what's happening not just in my little microcosm but what's happening in the in the bigger picture to see where I fit in. That sounds like exciting. Had you done a lot of kind of like group style writing before? I, my friends usually make fun of me because I'm not I'm not a jammer. Like I don't know how to jam <laughs> and it usually drives me fucking crazy you know where it's like you're sound checking and someone's like doodling in the corner you're like what is going stop it (laughs) and I've had co-writing experiences this is a little bit different because you're each coming in halfway Mm -hmm. and you're starting from scratch but it doesn't have to be you right so when you're in a group setting and you're kind of the leader it's I don't know I've I've veered away from that just because I've always been such a solo I'm total loner introvert like share my feelings until I feel like they're eloquent enough to like share them in a song piece and then say I have this bass idea or drum idea or whatever but group dynamic is so intricate it's like having another family when you have a band right so yeah you're like how do I navigate these different personalities but also bring out the best in each person and be able to sensitively communicate with each person in a very different ways to bring out the things you know they do well. Totally. While also being vulnerable and singing nonsense just so you can get a guitar part in and get the band version without caring what you're saying exactly. I don't know about you, but I my lyrics tend to come later most of the time and I think more about form and instrumentation and melody and then usually feelings come from that and then that leads me to like, words and phrases that I build upon and turn it into something else. But I don't know, like, what is your approach normally? Yeah, I've also always been sort of a lone writer. I've also done a little bit of co-writing and stuff with other people, but I always feel like it turns into a little fight. And I think it's because I'm, maybe I'm like a little bit closed-minded about, I see it going one way and I'm afraid of it going elsewhere, but I could see it being really freeing to, especially after spending so much time with people and developing a close musical bond, but also like knowing each other really well and having that trust and vulnerability. It's definitely something that I've thought about. And so it's cool to hear that that's how you approached this latest batch. My anxiety, even hearing you say it back to me like that. (laughs) (laughs) I've had, you know, the writing sessions where it feels like a double date gone wrong. You know, (laughs) I had a co-write with Nick Lowe of all people. And I was in such a vulnerable state. Like I had a crazy fluke, like weird train mishap. And I was an hour late to meet him. And I was probably eight months pregnant and I was sweating my ass off meeting him for a coffee. And then I took him to my sweet and very humble studio in like a basement in Dumbo. And he's just well suited and composed (laughs) and so gentlemanly. And 
we ended up just talking most of the time because I wasn't in the zone and I was so embarrassed about my tardiness and my state. But we ended up just talking and, and that was really informative for me because he talked about like trying to bring the best out of a situation where like, okay, well, we're not writing, but I'm meeting somebody who I admire. So what can I take from this? Mm-hmm. And, and he started talking about how he tends to write. And he's like, it's like, what's your story? Just think about you when you're walking out the door and what do you see and what are you thinking about and how are you processing? And I ended up using that method when I first started writing 17 because I was in Dumbo walking around and looking at all these places that I felt like I used to know, and then these words started coming out. And this was like, you know, months later. But it was really informative just to be kind of mindful of like your surroundings, even in that moment where I was so insecure about all the things that I had done. He took that moment to share with me like his style, and I that stuck with me even in like one of the worst <laughs> uh, creative spaces I had been in personally. <laughs> yeah, that that is such a cool anecdote, though. I definitely have social anxiety and stuff sometimes, and, and I worry about going to si- certain situations, but there always something comes out of it where I'm like, oh, yeah, it was worth it <laughs> challenging myself to step out of my comfort zone for a second because, like, that kind of a gem that leads to, like, a incredible song and probably informed other stuff that you did or do. I just had my kid seven months ago and I feel like I haven't entered back into writing world yet. I'm just not there yet. It feels like a scary new world and it's all, but it's at the same time, it's also changed the way I see things and interact with things, not in this huge monumental way, but suddenly I'm like seeing it through the eyes of like a new person and all the things that she's seeing that I totally took for granted. I'm like, wow, it is so cool to go on a swing for the first time. And like the wonder at looking at colors and all that stuff. I still remember a friend of mine was hanging with his kid in a park and they took their shoes off and his kid stood up and then he wouldn't move and his eyes got really bright and he's like, what is happening? What is happening? And he's like, oh my God, he's barefoot on the grass for the first time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like that makes me cry like every time because it's like these things we take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, to your uh, headspace and postpartum creativity. Um, I, I remember just feeling so overwhelmed with, you know, when the, the first time my partner went to work and that feeling of, you're going to leave me alone with this baby? Like, I don't <laughs> feel like I'm prepared to just be left alone right now. And just staring at him being, feeling like unequipped. I mean, I was, but I, I felt in so many ways unprepared. And even now, and I, I love being a mom, but I also still very, like, I want to go back to school to learn how to be a parent. Can they do that? I mean, uh, it's just not about you anymore. And like every decision, everything, I'm like, I'm not just reflecting my feelings and who I am and what I do in my work, but now 
everything I do is like I'm representing my family and I'm affecting my kid and every decision has to be made as a whole. And it's not just like my needs anymore. I know those are yeah. very basic and I just constantly am like, I want to simplify my life. I mean, have you thought about touring with a child? I've done a little bit of it now. I started doing festivals and stuff when she was 10 weeks and oh, wow. my partner okay. thankfully was able to come along and it was just, it's been a wild adventure. Um, mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing like... T- two weeks or whatever, or like a, even yeah. a week in a row. But like the most has been three nights in a row. And that, I, that was a couple of weeks ago. And I still don't know how I did that. <laughs> like it felt like just <laughs> sound checking, running back, putting her to bed, running back, doing the gig, running back, mm-hmm. checking in. Like it just brings up these huge questions. But I do have these moments where I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful that she is able to be here and be part of this experience or that. She's like walking around New York with me because we're in New York today or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's in terms of touring, the the big picture of touring, is, I still haven't figured it out. And it's so I'm still at that stage where every week is a new phase. And I'm like, you're really good in the car right now, but you might hate being in a car next week. My partner has coached me in this as we're figuring out as we go still I mean he's six now and um which is crazy to say that uh six now uh (laughs) but kids are very resilient but also they adjust it's it's who we are it's our lifestyle it's our I don't want him to be a road dog by any means personally that's not the life I want for him I want him to be a kid I want him to be around kids Mm -hmm. he's an he's an only child so I feel like He's learned just by default to be really good around adults. Sometimes he's bored by kids. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, they're not, I mean, they're just like, you know, they're just playing with Legos over here. I want to watch a Tim Burton movie. Like, I want to watch, he wants to watch Jerry Seinfeld, you know? Uh, he's a, he's such a, has a really funny sense of humor. He's like very, like, he's a skater, surfer, drummer. Super so into music, cool. but I love that he doesn't like idolize. You know that, like me as like an artist, like that's what he wants to be. It's not at all. He more thinks of my band as like aunts and uncles, and my guitar tech is like his, like one of his favorite people. This is his his family, you know. Especially when my family was on the East Coast and we were settling into California. And he was, he was two, three. Yeah. You know, he was just surrounded by adults that wanted to be his teachers. That's such a special experience. But he loves tour, you know, but he also, he'll be like, well, can I, I can do camp instead of going on the road with you. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, well then I'll do that. Or, you know, or can you, you can hang out with the cousins instead of go to this festival well you're, you'll probably see me for two hours <laughs> yeah I'm learning that he doesn't like crowds either but it's you know they're everything that we are so yeah and everything we expose them to to give them a choice of whether or not it's something that they want to do or be a part of and I hope we're giving him that voice as he is older and able to express himself as a mom I feel like I'm very vulnerable 
I feel I don't want to be neglectful. I don't want to be hands off, but I don't want to be yeah. a hover yeah. mother. But then also you need to be present for the band, but you want to be present for the kid. You don't want to change the dynamic of a band, but my life has completely changed. So Yeah, but it sounds like you have like such a cool balance and a sweet crew. Yeah, and I feel like I'm just kind of adjusting to that too in my small contained road crew. Everyone has been of like three or four, mm-hmm. <laughs> but everyone's been really cool and... And understanding, which I feel grateful for, because, like, I don't know why I worried this, but I was like, are are they just going to be like, oh, she has a kid now. And so that's like this total other universe that we don't know that, but it's been really, it's felt like we're kind of doing it together, which is, which is nice. Do any of your bandmates have kids? I'm the first of my sort of like core crew of people who I play with but um definitely everyone is surrounded by kids and everyone's been super supportive like I've chatted with a few other kind of moms parents who tour like Amy Milan from Stars and Anais Mitchell and stuff who have expressed that it's challenging but also can be really fun and and sometimes it's just your life like I was at Nelsonville Fest this summer and bumped into Lido Pimienta who's an amazing Colombian Canadian artist and she tours with her partner her partner is her bandmate and she has two she's like raising two older kids who are in their teens and then she has a six-year-old who is with her and they just like bring her and they put her behind the drum kit while they're playing and just give her toys and because like that's how they can manage it and she's just always rolls with them and I was just like yeah it's so cool like kids are so adaptable Mm -hmm. in these situations so wild our kid came to we did this festival in new mexico and uh devendra was playing and my son was super into this recorder and right before the show devendra was like you you must come on stage and do a solo and he's like no 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 and the whole time he's watching (laughs) side stage he's watching side stage and he crept closer and closer and I saw Devendra turn around and he was like, yes, come on out. And my son <laughs> walked out on stage and Devendra totally like chilled the band down so that he could take a solo. And like he like That's shredded so on the cool. recorder during the <laughs> festival. Like whatever you just kind of let yourself be in the moment, like everybody rises to the occasion. And like every other band that I've been meeting as I kind of let my guard down and my vulnerability with this new role. Um, Everyone just kind of extends their hands and they want to help and they're really supportive. And I I feel like when I started touring again as a new mom, like I, I just felt like I was in everybody's way. And then I just felt like if, if someone else is making me feel that way, that's their problem, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just try to surround myself with people that either want to understand it or they already do and they're just encouraging but still figuring it out (laughs) i'm sure it's just this process of of figuring it out for 18 years and (laughs) (laughs) i know forever and my parents still say to this day "Ah, it never ends uh, just to warn you um but um you said that your so your mom is helping you right now yeah my partner works full time, so he's kind of, yeah, what you were describing, like, 
he's went back to work full time when my daughter was a month old. And my mom lives about an hour and a half away, but she'll come usually once a week and stay over and be with us for a couple of days, which has been so awesome because she's developing this awesome relationship with the baby. And yeah, and I can sort of like stay tapped into other things because it can be it can be so consuming at, mm-hmm. at times and in a really fun way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I found... I don't. I think they're illegal now because I, I was gonna try to send one to another working mama, but there's a there are these swings, these bouncer things that hang in doorways. I don't know if you've seen these. Oh, I, is it like Jolly Jumper? Yes. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if this is why our kid is so active now, but if I had if I was cooking or something. You know, but I, I didn't, I wanted to be around him, but I didn't, I want to have to keep him from radiators and stuff or the oven as I was cooking. I put him right in the hallway between the living dining and the kitchen when I was living in New York. And he would just bounce and bounce like <laughs> for like out hours. He thought it was the most fun thing in the world. And I was like, his thighs are like ripped right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I still felt like I was kind of hanging out with him while also getting things done. My friend Sonia gave me one of those like Moses, the what do they call it? Like be your bedside kind of basket. Cause I had like a pretty intense C-section after like 34 hours of induced labor. And, and so like getting out of bed was really hard. <laughs> so I would just be able to turn on my side and like check in on him. And then uh, I finally got to the point where I could carry the the basket to the bathroom with me if I wanted to take a shower. And oh, I'd put him nice. on the floor of the shower because <laughs> I didn't want to lose sight of him because I felt guilty at that point to even take a shower, like to leave the room yeah. in the shower in case he would start <laughs> crying or something. And I was just like... He probably wanted alone time too, right? Maybe I he was like, stop bringing me everywhere. <laughs> I was like, every moment like that, that you're just like, you know, you think that you haven't figured out or you think that you're a pretty chill parent and then one thing just pops up. You're like, oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, our kid so far is a pretty adventurous eater. Um, and I don't know if it's from living in other cities and stuff but like he he's the one at the table like he's the one like when my family comes and visits and they're like do you want macaroni and cheese do you want chicken nuggets and he'll just be like I want sushi and he'll call it, <laughs> he says sushi sushi <laughs> um that's really cute. I was like wow a six-year-old that eats sushi um I swear we're not snobby eaters but it's really fun to see him like have an opinion about that kind of thing. Can you imagine, yeah. you have a daughter, you said, right? Yeah. Can you imagine her, like, ordering at a restaurant? <laughs> There's going to be a day. It's, like, it's wild <laughs> to think about. Like, it's, it's not that far in the future. And, yeah, and I can already see that sort of desire to communicate. And she's going to mm-hmm. be really telling us what she wants soon. But yeah, picturing her ordering sushi is really fun to think 
Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the TalkHouse podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. Well, how is, like, what is Toronto like right now? I always love Toronto when I'm there, and I have a handful of, like, favorite musicians I won't spout off right now, but what is the music scene like there now? But also, like, do you feel like there's, like, for a community as well as just what's happening there and mm-hmm. how, I don't want to say post-pandemic, that's not true, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what are what is it like now and what are you inspired by? And now that you're kind of, not that you're coming out of, this motherhood phase, because that's not what it is, but you're coming at the haze of having a newborn. The community here is really special and focused on kind of creativity and and supporting each other and whether <clears throat> it's like a cool mix of people who are just doing really experimental stuff and playing at this. There's a spot called the Transact that's been there forever where really incredible musicians just go and play. There's a little kind of almost living room vibe type of spot there. And you'll get like Tim from the weather station and Charles Spearin from Broken Social Scene and people like that just dropping in to play and and check out what's going on. And I, yeah, I just really feel like there's a lot of seeking and supporting and and deep friendships. And I think it's sort of, especially as post-pandemic and in this big city where there's a huge affordability crisis happening, like seeing people 
figure out ways to stick it out and support one another in the music community has has been really cool. The city just hasn't done a great job of making it livable for artists or anyone below like a very high income zone. So it, it does feel like I am kind of, I feel like, oh, like we have to hang on to these things that we do have and and keep them going. I sort of like by chance connected with the guys from Broken Social Scene and they were like incredibly generous and helpful to me and really sort of lifted me up at a time where I felt like I wasn't sure I was had just taken such a confidence hit from slugging it out for a while and being through some life stuff and they really were like we believe in you and what you're doing and that happened at a time where I just like really needed it and I'm so grateful for that and I hadn't found that kind of real sort of uplift community elsewhere it's a great it's there's like a lot of history here it's kind of like Chicago and that it's kind of like spread out in a lot of just a lot of different neighborhoods and residential areas and it's a little hard to navigate if you haven't spent a lot of time here so that can sometimes be a barrier too because there's a lot of great stuff happening in the far east end but for those of us who live in the west end it's like impossible to get there and it's like we can't get to Mm -hmm. one another whatever how far is like one end to another um i'm not sure what it would be sort of like in actual distance but it seems like it takes no matter how you do it driving transit biking it takes an hour Mm -hmm. to get from one end to the other which is not it's it's not like new york yeah I mean, going from New York to L.A. was just an eye-opener because, like, New York is so close, it's just very dense. And and because of public transportation, you can get anywhere very easily. You know, once I learned to navigate the subway, like, my mind was blown. And I I miss it very much. Um, But in L.A., it's like you, you... It's only on, like, a grid... So, like, if you don't live off of this, you're dependent on buses, which are ridiculous because the traffic sucks so bad that even when you do a bus, it's, like, two hours to get from one end to another in, like, any average traffic situation. People kind of stay to their local pockets for the most part. So they're like, if you want to move to L.A. area, just, like, love a neighborhood, have some friends in that pocket, And then you'll figure it out from there. But then it's like it helps you also pick and choose the things that you decide are important to you. Or like even Saturday morning, going to the beach, like 30 minutes there, two hours back. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what it's going to be. And so find, you know, line up a really good podcast and like have your playlist ready and have some shit to talk about. Um, Call some people. That's why everyone's always on, like, in the car when you talk to them if you have friends in California. It's because they're in their cars <laughs> all the time. And that's when they catch up on life. And then, you know, they're just on their way to work or something. <laughs> yeah, LA, I, I've been there so many times now. And all, I'm, I've always stayed in a different area. And I never know how to get, like, in my head, I can't vi- really visualize it. Like, I was in Glendale this time, and I was in, like, Silver Lake that time, and I was, and I'm just piecing it together. Yeah. And then the last time I was there, I was in Highland Park, and I was like, this, this is a great area. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind of, <laughs> like, in on that east side of town, which is still my, 
favorite as far as like community feeling neighborhoods and also just where my bandmates are or half of them half are in new york or jersey city new york or jersey city brooklyn and then the other half is la but i i that's just kind of where when we first started visiting la we fell in love with glassell park and you're feeling like you're in the hills and and it's just there's a lot of nature but you can't you know it's like after living in New York, we wanted to be able to walk to one place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just want to be able yeah. to go somewhere if I have to, like, <laughs> yeah. so we could walk to get coffee. And um, that was everything, you know. Um, I'm yeah. sure they're burnt out on us by now, but um, it was nice to have that one place. But, yeah, it just, it's, but it's also just, it's growing so fast, too. I just feel like when you live in a city, you just have to, let allow things to change and like keep morphing that's why people are driven to want, wanting to live in a metropolitan area and be surrounded by people and culture at the same yeah. time it grows at this rate that sometimes is uncomfortable <laughs> yeah for sure and i've seen like cuz i grew up in toronto pretty downtown and i lived in montreal for 6 years and then moved to brooklyn for a couple of years and then came back and it's been interesting, like, how my relationship to the city has shifted from having a very firm idea of what it was from, like, when I was a teenager, from growing up here to, like, con- moving into this, trying to fight the kind of resistance and the kind of holding on to how the way things were and trying to be open to all these new things that are happening or just parts of the city that I didn't even know about. Like, my partner is... Portuguese, Torontonian, and kind of grew up partly in little Portugal and partly in the burbs, but he's introduced me to these little pockets of the city that I had never really spent time in that are full of really incredible stuff. Having a kid, does that change like your your view on living in a city or what that means for having a family and like for space and safety and, you know, all the obvious uh, paranoid parent feelings like because I feel like we struggled a little bit with do we want to live in a metropolitan area or do we want to shelter him from that so that it's something that he wants to go out and do later or like because if he we raise him in a city well he'll never want to leave or uh, (laughs) you know I'm like I want him to be exposed to culture like museums and shows and parks and stuff but at the same time I'm like do we simplify so that he wants to seek out more later. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. I think for my partner and I, because we both grew up here, it's, it feels kind of like second nature to like raise a kid here. Cause it's sort of what we know well. And I really like the idea of her. Yeah. Just being able to access community easily and walk to things and like, walk to school, but also like walk to a show or take the streetcar, which was a big part of my life growing up. And, Mm -hmm. and I think Toronto, because it isn't, it's not like New York with the density or even LA, which has like, let's face it, New York and LA just have way more going on than Toronto. Like Toronto has stuff going on, but it is, it is more chill as a city. So it feels like the sort of right balance, like we can go take her downtown and go to the art gallery, but also Mm -hmm. just stay in our neighborhood orbit. 
my parents were really into taking us to the art gallery and taking us to concerts with my dad's this symphony musician and classical producer guy. And so I'm, I'm not in the classical world by any means, but I like, I'm excited about just kind of being able to expose her to different things and see what she latches on to, kind of like what mm-hmm. you were talking about, like taking your son to the museum and and stuff like that. And, and just the different kinds of fun city events that happen here like the Caribbean carnival and different street festivals and fun outdoor music events and I don't know I think when I think back on my childhood here it was like the mix of everything are there like places or things that you have like done with your son that you did as a kid or that you're like excited to do with him like I guess Living in L.A. is a little different than growing up in Jersey because I I grew up in Jersey in kind of a, you know, New York was the beacon. (laughs) Um, And my mom would always take me into the city and we'd, you know, we'd go to Broadway musicals and um, go to like a nice dinner. And then we'd stay at like a hotel, which we never did because I'm one of five kids. So like we always camped. But whenever, like, a parent would choose one kid to do something like that, it was always a big deal to stay in a hotel. And and then we just go to a museum because I was the one kid that could handle going to an art museum and, you know, <laughs> just, like, very moved by paintings. Um, and so it's like he, he definitely enjoys going to museums. And, uh, like, I think I have a picture of him in front of a, a Rochenberg and... Uh, at LACMA, which is, no, I know, it was actually at the, where were we? No, it was at LACMA, and he was just, he was, like, two, and, like, we're, like, holding him up and to show, like, the scale of the painting kind of thing. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I remember a lot of parks growing up, and so we, we make sure just to let him wander, and Griffith Park has this amazing, because it, it's so vast compared yeah. to what I had in New York. I mean, there was Central Park and Prospect Park, but Griffith is just, there's so much more to it. <laughs> I mean, like mountains and trees and like so many hiking trails. And, you know, there was this famous mountain lion that lived in Griffith Park. And, but there's this one, it's, it was like a forest camp where it was like a group of eight kids led by these like two awesome hippie ladies that just like let them wander. And, you know, a kid would get stung by a bee and then they'd watch like a hawk kill a mouse that they had just saved from a gutter. And they were like talking about the (laughs) circle of life. And when I asked my kid like what he did, he just said he basically just sat in a tree or climbed all day. You know, he's like, I don't know, I just kind of walked around and I climbed trees and talked about leaves and he's just covered in mud after like having school hours and being told what to do to be able to wander freely I I, having that space especially as a city kid I just I don't think is allowed like our parents allow it and not on purpose it's just oh yeah I gotta sign them up for this and this and this and you're on like this crazy schedule because you want to keep them busy and active but also like they they need independence and freedom and the permission to wander and I think that is you know it's a different world than when I was a kid I think we need that as adults too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to get lost for like three hours in a park without a phone and, 
you know, just al allowing your, your mind to wander and like nature, I just don't get to do that enough for sure. Totally same. Yeah, it is. It is kind of special. It reminds me that there's this park near my place where there's like a really cool group of parents slash park volunteers who do a lot of cool stuff there for the kids, but they there's a lot of running wild that happens. And there's this big sand pit that has like running water and mud and it stretches on and it's kind of got all this topography and just a bunch of shovels. And all summer there's just kids there with shovels like covered in mud run, like, <laughs> running the water and digging. <laughs> this is totally wild, but really cute and fun. Aww. And yeah, and that experience, because definitely cities can feel, they can feel really containing. I'm in my 40s now. It's so strange to say out loud. Um, I more and more just find that I need to be outside and I just, I want to, just put up a chair and sit outside and listen. And, and it's like a weird recentering. <laughs> it's like, it's not quite meditation. I don't know how to do that. I think my brain moves too. It's like too chaotic to like really properly meditate right now in my life. But just to be able to be still enough to not have a phone and to not have the TV on or not try to listen to music and just force myself to be outside for a minute. Like those moments that I found during the pandemic, the height of it, when I did that, I felt like that recentered me in a way where I could go back to work with this kind of reset. You just like have an hour where you do that every day, which I, I definitely am not in nature every day like that, but I feel like I need to set more intention to do that. Same. Yeah. New Year's. <laughs> Dude, do, do you have traditions for the holidays at all? We're kind of navigating the like first holiday season with our kids. Like, what's it gonna be? Mm -hmm. My dad's Jewish, and so we do, we'll do some like Hanukkah stuff, and then Christmas with various family members. But I think yeah, I'm excited to explore some new. Mm -hmm. holiday traditions yeah what about you um we we do the christmas thing <laughs> thanksgiving and christmas um thanksgiving being my favorite because i just love food and family and, and gifts aren't involved we like decorating the tree and i we have like a, a family like top around the tree that we would take turns as kids every year putting on but since we have one he gets to put it on every year um <laughs> that's fun and we have like just like we call it holiday trash where it's basically like Chex Mix <laughs> but it's like my partner's family they're so sweet and southern like they just they have the funniest names for everything, but they call it trash. Be like, did you bring the trash? <laughs> Give me some of that trash. <laughs> we need to make more trash. I was like, what are you guys talking about? What's happening right now? I remember the first time he explained to me that it's trash, but also like all these like new southern like dishes that I was like, what is the crunch in in this like souffle or whatever? They're like. They're cornflakes. And I was like, oh, there's cornflakes in this? That is crazy. You know, it's just like this, like, like this is so delicious. What's in it? And they'd be basically like, butter, butter, <laughs> and butter with some cheese and cream and salt. My family is up, like, in the Jersey area. And his family is in the South. 
it's like we take turns visiting families most year. So like we have different traditions depending on where we are. Right. It's yeah. it's chaos either way. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's I, my dad's side of the family is like Irish Catholic, so I had like 30 cousins and it was just like if someone didn't go to the hospital that Christmas, like something <laughs> was wrong. It was just yeah, it was so hectic and fun and wild and chaotic and you know, just people all the time and I think as we gain our own traditions from our family's traditions like I want to be that constant like revolving door of whoever is around can come we're not like super religious but we're more just like more about family and just celebrating life and you know instilling morals and um just finding out how that plays out as we want to teach spirituality to our kid as we kid as we get older. Yeah, I, I'm curious to go on that journey too. It's exciting. Well, I'm so excited for you. I mean, everybody says it happens really fast. And I'm like, yeah, I remember, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I look back, I'm like, holy moly. Like, it is, he'll wake up sometimes and he looks like he's grown overnight or he'll just look like a teenager sometimes or he'll just give me a look. <laughs> It's like, no, you can't give me that look yet. You have like <laughs> six more. Yeah, I'm like, please. Uh, it happens really fast. And I'm just trying to enjoy it and be as present as possible. And I think it's really important for our kids to like figure out how to do what we love. Because I think that's definitely something I want to instill, even when it's mm-hmm. hard and even when it's a struggle. And my partner and I, you know, we... Like, our kid has definitely, like, seen us work through things together, and, you know, we're pretty chill people, but we'll have disagreements, and we're able to talk them through and openly communicate things as, like, even just talk about how he needs to travel, and I need to stay home, or, like, figuring out pickup, drop-off, or which piece of our work is more important, and you know, how do we balance it out and like compromise and all that. It's like um, letting him see that we both love what we do and you just have to figure out how to do it together. And like uh, just by being able to communicate. And I think that's helping him as he's learning how to communicate himself and figure out what he loves to do. That's so cool. And I can't wait to hear what is coming up Next for you, I know it's a lot to get back into creative mode, but also just enjoy this moment of coming out of the haze and figuring out where you fall in that mix because it's it will inform everything you write from now on. There's people are gonna ask how and you're not gonna know how, but like it it will, you know. You write from like a very you write from a deep like place of love and it's just gonna get deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely excited to explore it, for sure. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Sharon Van Etten and Charlotte Cornfield for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform, and check out all the great stuff at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.